0: For you, you found a way to use operating businesses to pay for your life because you know how to do that. Other people, they may want to go the route of real estate or investing in funds or syndications or hard money loans. But the key is you found something that you're comfortable with and you're using that knowledge and skills and expertise to continue to run your life without necessarily dipping into the wealth that you've created. I'm Steven Pesavento, and welcome to the Name Your Number podcast presented by The Investor Mindset. As someone who comes from a challenging childhood, I've spent my life seeking financial security, personal growth, and ultimately freedom. The freedom to not wake up worried about the next paycheck, but rather with the confidence of knowing that my passive income pays my bills without the need to think about it. When you name your number that you'll learn passively, that creates your ultimate quality of life, then I believe you've achieved real freedom. Welcome to my show. It's time to name your number. Yeah, I'm excited to get into your story a little bit, Sean, because, you know, you built businesses, you had success, you've had failure, you had exits, and now you're living that life, investing, making moves, making community connections. So I think that's going to be really exciting to talk about. Before we get into where you're at today, let's talk a little bit about going back early days. What was one of the first things you named, one of the first targets you set that was moving you further away from kind of that traditional model of I have a job, I earn a paycheck and put you on that path towards creating the good life. I wanted to be a professional singer and become rich and famous and get on MTV. (laughs) The music life and what, what was happening in that world? Like what, what were you doing and what did you take away from that? Well, I grew up in a small town in Alaska
1: and MTV came out. 53 years old. So showing my age there, but MTV came out and dance party USA and all these shows around music and Madonna and Michael Jackson and George Michael and what have you. And I just, I don't know why I just got enthralled. And I said, I want to be in that world. And when I was in high school, a couple of my friends and I that were on the basketball team, we were choosing our electives and there was this line filled with a lot of really cute girls. And we said, we need to be in that line. So I went over to the line and said, what is this line for? And they said, choir. And I had never sang a lick in my entire life, but I was like, yeah, we're going to, I think we're taking this class. So we got in that class and I immediately fell in love with it. And then when MTV came out, I said, you know what? That's what I want to do. I want to get on MTV. And that's what my first passion was.
0: It's interesting because you think like going the music industry route that you're going to make a ton of money, but I have a lot of friends in the industry and unless you make it into Mm -hmm. that top tier, the very, very top people, it's not really that lucrative. Well, what was it for you?
1: Well, I didn't want to be a professional singer necessarily to get rich At that moment, you know, when I was young, I didn't understand rich, really didn't understand anything around money because I didn't grow up with a lot of money. It was more about just that I wanted to be famous, you know, so I just tagged the rich and famous in there. So I really wasn't getting into it for the money. You know, I've moved down to Southern California. So the first learning lesson I kind of learned just in anything is to go where the opportunity is. And I knew I wasn't going to get there living in a small town in Alaska. And I didn't realize at that moment how big of a deal that is in pursuing and trying to achieve success because I do mentor a lot of different people from different walks of life in small towns. And when I hit them with that, well, maybe you need to move thing, you really see how bad people really want uh, to pursue something in their life. And so I didn't realize at the time it was a big deal. It wasn't until later on that I really realized that it was a big deal to just pack up my bags and move to Southern California to pursue a dream of becoming a recording contract, uh, artist. And, Unlike a lot of people that you hear on social media, Stephen, I didn't have a lot of naysayers that said, oh, you can't do it and try to talk you out of it. And, you know, that's too much risk. I never had people like that in my life growing up. My parents were always very supportive. They just said, hey, we're here if you need me. Uh, You you got your room. If you ever do need to move back home, go for it. And my parents were really supportive that way. Uh, But. I didn't really get into the financial part at that time. I moved to Southern California when I was 18. Fast forward three years. I got a, three years later. I did get a record deal on Warner brother records uh, in a boy band called in motion, which nobody would ever hear of, but we traveled with ringling brothers and Barman Billy circus for a year. And we got on MTV. We played Madison square garden and all the major arenas got in the team magazines. And man, it was freaking insane. Amazing at 21 years old to, to be traveling the country that way and living like a rock star. But it, In all of that, we maybe made about, you know, hundred grand, but, you know, to me, that was millions of dollars at that time. It wasn't even, like I said, about the money. It was about just the lifestyle.
0: Uh, So at that time, what, what, like what an accomplishment though, to make as a young person, you're going after your dream, you see that it's possible. I think one thing really, really powerful to underline in what you mentioned is the importance of proximity, being in that community. A lot of people are unwilling to go and make those hard decisions to leave the place where they're comfortable to leave the certainty of the town that they live in because they're saying to themselves, hey, well, in this online Internet world, I don't need to be there. But that's false. I mean, it's possible for you to make it. But the 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 from a from an opportunity standpoint, by getting into the community, by having proximity to record labels and managers and and other artists who are doing it. You're around these people and that helps you grow and become that identity of that person who is actually going to go and have that success. Yeah, exactly. There's everything is about the, who you know is very, very
1: important. And I've, and I, like I said, when I was younger, I didn't realize all of these natural learning lessons that I was getting. I was just following my dreams. I didn't really appreciate it and understand it until later. And i tell you, it's very different today than it you know than it was back when I was eighteen you know because I might have taken a different route uh, back you know back then if social media had been around and what
0: have you so but yeah the, the power of the community is is very important but even you know I see these TikTokers I see these YouTubers. I see people in real estate. I see people in every single niche. There's a certain area of the country or there's these pockets where lots of those types of deals or opportunities are coming together. And when you can get into proximity, when you can get into community, you really start to see motion happening. I know for me personally, one of the, the first things that I did when I made the move out of tech into real estate was I went to a meetup. And I found a mentor and I found someone who I could learn from. At the time, I didn't believe in spending money. So I traded my time for those lessons. But it was not until I actually joined a mastermind, I paid money to be in a community, to be in a network, to be in an association that I was surrounded by all these people who were doing the thing and having the success I wanted to have that actually led me to being in that position to believe that it was possible to borrow their belief and then actually go and prove to myself that I can do it. And I know that that that's critical no matter what part of the economy you're trying to work in.
1: Yeah. You know, that's a and- tough one because, you, you know, I didn't really belong to any communities like that when I was growing, but to the same point, you know, you've, you, we've all heard that term R and D and most of us think of that's research and, and development But one of the things that I got really good at and I still use in my life today is I just call it rip off and duplicate. Mm -hmm. I take a look at what somebody successful is doing and I just do that. So whether it was getting on Instagram and creating an Instagram channel or business or anything that it might be, I just look at who does it, who does it really well and just copy what they're doing, especially if they're really successful, they probably have money and they probably have a team and they have all these things. So they've spent the, you know, tens, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars putting together the website or the social media or whatever it is. And you get, the, you get to just copy what they did. And so yeah. that that's kind of what I did when I was younger. And I've kind of carried that through is I just always try to do what successful people do. Yeah. Well, it's, and they do talk her. about all those things, you know, they talk about, Hey, go to masterminds network, get to know people.
0: you know, all of that's kind of kind of in that equation. Yeah. well, it's just about getting around other people because it's like we're gonna fast forward here. Uh, and spoiler alert, you had an exit, 20 million dollar exit. you walked away with eight, nine million dollars, seven, eight million. You're in a position where you've made it, you've succeeded. But that business idea, that business idea came because of proximity. It came because you were working on something else before where you saw an opportunity. And a lot of people are trying to hustle. They're trying to do something, but they're doing it in this little box. You got to get out because you got to meet people. So tell us about that business. And then I really want to dive into what that exit felt like, because I know it can be exciting, but I bet it was also scary on what happens next.
1: Yeah, so the way I started the business was very interesting in that the business was hotel business center, computer systems, internet kiosks, lobby PCs, whatever it might be. And I was coming off what I call my decade of desperation, which I was literally broke and repossessions, bankruptcies, the whole typical, you know, stories of many entrepreneurs. Uh, And I was just coming off of that. And I was down to like, literally my last $500. My parents were sending me a couple hundred dollars. It seemed like almost every day so that I could, you know, keep the lights on and not have my house get foreclosed. But I started that business literally with $500. Now I wouldn't say that I started that business with 500. It's kind of a, you know, it's a weird way to look at it. Literally, I had five hundred dollars, but I had a lot of industry experience. I had sales skills. I had I knew the you know knew what I was doing when I did it. I didn't just didn't go, hey, how do I start a business with five hundred dollars and not have any experience, whether it's in the product or the industry or anything. So there's that. Well, that. you had
0: earned equity by going out and doing these things and exactly and failing. Yes, and the you knowledge was there. equity. Exactly. You ran with it. Exactly. So I started with one
1: hotel at a time. Putting a computer in the lobby, seeing that it worked, proved out the concept. I think that that's one thing that a lot of entrepreneurs don't do is they get analysis paralysis and try to get so prepared to launch that they never even launch. So I was the exact opposite. I just literally put a computer in a hotel and I said, well, let's just see if this works. And it worked. And then I did a couple more and a couple more and a couple more. And we ended up having that business for 10 years, uh, 11 years and having the exit like you talked about. And a lot a lot happened in between, but it was literally just going out there and always just saying, I'm going to fill the need in the marketplace. And, it, and I actually recognized the need. And I thought, hey, hotels need this. And I just proved out the concept.
0: Well, this is such a reminder to all the people who are listening who are building a business or those people who are looking to begin investing and creating that recurring revenue in their life that is going to pay for the kind of life they want to create is that you know, there's a bunch of challenges that we're not going to get into today that you experience, but it's through each of those opportunities that gives you new knowledge, that gives you confidence, that gives you the opportunity to step through a new door. And then you exit with millions of dollars. What I'm curious about is after building a business, it becomes your identity, becomes the thing that you're focused on, becomes the things you know how to do. And really it is where you're putting all of your time. So at that moment that you made that sale, I'm assuming, and you can tell me if this is true, I'm assuming it was both exciting to get that check and to exit, and I bet it was terrifying to try to figure out what's next. Was it? Yes and no.
1: Definitely exciting and not terrifying at all. And what I mean is, is you know, every business exit is different. Ours happened to be that I exited the company in 2011 as the CEO and our current COO at the time and my business, my other business, equal business partner, who was the president, they were tasked with getting the company sold. And I took off as the CEO. We had some major problems at the the ownership level. We had just closed a huge global contract with a major hotel chain that set the company up for sale and because of the personality conflict issues, how much money we were all making, I made the decision to say, you know what, you guys go ahead and sell the company. I'm here as a partner, but I'm going to take off and I'm moving to Southern California and I'm going to live at the beach for the next few years. And I'm going to, I'm going to work on myself and, and and position myself for this exit. When, and that was like October of 2011, we didn't close on the transaction until, December 13th, 2013. And so by the time, you know, that wire transfer for 7.8 million hit my my account, I had already worked on overcoming what's called founder syndrome, which is that where you attach yourself to a company and you think, can the company survive without me? I started Mm -hmm. this company, I grew it, the customers know me, the team knows me, blah, 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 blah you start to realize in going through that transition that a lot of that is ego and pride. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, if you did the right job for the company as a CEO, then you should be able to leave and the company should be able to survive and thrive without you. And I did that. And I focused on the positives of the deal as opposed to the the negative zone that I could have gone into. And it it was an emotional journey for that two years. But So by the time it got done, it wasn't terrifying that I sold or we sold and, you know, I was moving on financially. When you build a $20 million company, whether it's yourself or, you know, one or two other partners, by the time you sell for that amount, you've already made a lot of money. And, Mm -hmm. you know, when I say a lot, you know, that's subjective, but you've made millions you know, at least in the last probably two to three years of owning a company that size, you've probably made millions. So you've already bought the things you want to buy. You've already traveled. You've already, you're already living kind of the lifestyle that you want to live. So the check that you get doesn't really have an impact on your life. You know, you know, as, as you live and breathe every day, it's just kind of a nice little accolade. So it wasn't terrifying to me. It was, and I tell you, it was exciting to say that I got it, but yeah. what was more exciting is that the deal got done. You know, For anybody that ever does go down the path of trying to exit a company, especially one of that size, it is a very complex and complicated and emotional negotiation because you're dealing with sharks out there and vultures of the private equity world that their whole job is to screw you out of every dollar they can while acting like they're your best friend. Mm-hmm. So it's a very complex world selling a company of that size. And I got, I was fortunate that I didn't have to be in the mix of it because I had my partners handling the negotiation. And then they were just calling me and saying, hey, is this, is this good for you? And I was like, yeah, it's good for me. Well, I was already working like- on the emotional side of it.
0: Well, it sounds like you you did the work. You had those two years of time to kind of let go. You were already burnt out, not on the business per se, maybe, but definitely on the partnership and the problems that you dealt with in that partnership. But you had that time and space to come to terms that you're no longer the guy who's running the company. You put somebody else in there. You got to go through that experience of detaching, creating a new identity and then stepping out. But the the reason why I would feel like there might be some fear is, you know, what's next, what's that next chapter, right? And what did you end up doing after that? You exited, you made it, you already had millions of dollars, you were financially set. What did you do and how did you spend your time once you no longer were the guy, once you no longer were running that company?
1: Yeah. And i you know, I'll touch on the the fear thing. It it definitely wasn't fearful to me, you know, you know, if, if anything after I did what I did when I was 18 and moved to California and got a record deal, I don't think that I've had a day of fear since then. Because when you have that huge of a win when you're young, it's really difficult to say to yourself, whatever you set your mind to, you're not going to achieve. So I, I got really lucky and blessed to you know have a big win when I was young because it set up my, my mindset for overcoming challenges and 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 living a fear-based mindset i was never and also like i was saying when you've made millions you know in your business you don't really have much to be fearful of because you've already got money you've already got the knowledge and the the skill set to know that even if you lost everything, you know how to build it because you did. You don't want to like no one in their right mind says, you know, if I lost everything I could do, we don't really want to lose everything, but we could, you know, once you get to a certain age and a certain comfort level, you do go, Hey, I don't really want to go back. I could, but I don't want to. So I w I wasn't fearing for what I was going to do next. But after we got that check that wire, I took some more time off, bought a, bought a few more, you know, nice things. And traveled the world a little bit. And I got on Instagram and I created this moniker called Ask a Millionaire on Instagram, which is still around today. Mm-hmm. And it was something I always loved Instagram because, like you, I, I cook, drink, travel, got my dogs, and you know, I, I'm I'm a visual person. So I've always always been drawn to Instagram specifically out of all the social media platforms. And I started coming across these. Accounts on Instagram. This was back in 2015. So this was a long time ago. But these accounts that were posting these pictures of gold watches and stacks of cash and yachts and private planes and all these memes and stuff. And I'm like, who the heck is running these accounts? Because I run in those circles, and none of us live that kind of life as millionaires. Like, who yeah. are these people? So I started digging in a little bit because I was I was interested in in, in curious. And I found out that the majority of them were just little kids and, you know, from even from other countries that just wanted to live that that millionaire lifestyle. Right. They were inspired by it, you know, and it was kind of like their little uh, 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 vision board, if you will. But I did come across one guy who was one of the biggest and he had a legit business and was a millionaire. And he's like, Sean, if you want to get into this, I can teach you how to do this. It's super fun. And you can actually make money doing this. You know, people will pay you to advertise them on your account. And he started teaching me all about Instagram. So I started basically just like my other business. I was waking up in the morning, laying in bed on vacation, basically in in Manhattan Beach, California. And I pull up Instagram and I'd have all these DMS of people asking me questions and I just answer their question. And I would do that all freaking day, 12, 14 hours a day and started growing this, this Instagram account. And then, then after about two years, I started investing in some companies as, as an angel investor. And finally I started to get the bite that I wanted to start something new. And so I said, do I buy another comp? Do I buy a company? Do I start another company? And I started talking to a couple of my mentors and coaches. And I said, they said, why don't you just, you know, find something within this ask a millionaire account. And so I, I, I dug deep into it with, with a couple of people that I are kind of advisors. And they said, the void in the marketplace is there's no official organization for small business owners, like the bigger organizations, like entrepreneurs organization and Vistage yeah. and YPO, all those big organizations where myself and the other su- successful, financially successful people belong. You have to have a business doing a million dollars. Well, That's you know, and I know that most business owners don't ever get to a million. So what do all those people do that are doing under a million? So I said, I'm going to create that organization. So I created Accelerator's organization and I before didn't get through screw it. But, before but,
0: we get into the details of that, what I'm really curious about for myself, and I know a lot of other people who are high achievers feel this, what I can tell, especially in you describing the exit, and describing getting to that point you made millions you're at this point but the big word that i'm circling right in front of me is content you've found a way to be content you found a way to say i have enough i've made it to that point and th- this really dawned on me i went to hawaii during the pandemic i sold my house i went out and i was living i found a back door rented an airbnb there with a bunch of great friends but the owner of that uh airbnb and he was grossing hundreds of thousands of dollars a year doing this thing retired. But he brought up to me is like, you're a hustler. You're going after it. You're building businesses. I can tell you want to do big things, but he's like, what's your number? What's enough? And it really dawned on me. I was like, well, every time I create a number, I just, I don't even enjoy the celebration of it. I just move on to the next thing. And so what I'm curious for you is what is it? how do you recommend someone like myself or, or the listener go about finding that way to being content to saying I've have enough, I've done it. I'm there. Lots of therapy (laughs)
1: and lots of coaching. It's, it's a, so, uh, so I was, I was talking with one of my clients today or yesterday and I said, One of the things that we have to learn as entrepreneurs in life, and this goes for anything, and it's going to answer part of your question is you have to develop, if you want to maintain your sanity, you have to develop a strong sense of awareness. Mm. If you know that certain things are going to happen, that prepares you emotionally that when they do, you don't freak out. Because the entrepreneurial journey or any pursuit of real success, whether it's on the playing field financially relationships you have to be self-aware that there's going to be highs and there's going to be lows there's gonna be good times and there's going to be bad times you have to prepare yourself that that's going to happen and so knowing that i did have a number once i kind of started to think about a number i didn't come like i said i didn't come from money so i never imagined mm-hmm. a number i just wanted to be rich well what yeah. does that mean right yeah so Yes, I definitely, after, after I got that wire transfer from that moment on, I have felt a hundred percent content P- at peace, happy. I don't ha- I have not had the drive and the same feeling that I had before that, that I need to go conquer the world financially. I've got mm-hmm. enough. I don't live an extravagant lifestyle. Um, so I've, that's never uh, really appealed to me. I do. What, in the is that, spectrum, what is it spectrum? what is
0: it? what is it that you believe that allows you to feel like, okay, I'm good here. Peace. It gives you peace. Yeah. It gives you peace to say,
1: I don't have to worry about, you know, I live on, I'll give you an example. I live on six acres. It's not a lot, but it's six acres here in South Nashville, anything. And I mean, anything, my girlfriend and I joke about this, Anything that goes wrong in this house, it's $2,500. It it, it doesn't matter what it is. It's going to be $2,500. Now, that was more than my rent payment back in the day, you know, but it seems like every week there's a $2,500 bill due for something, right? Mm -hmm. And so if peace is saying, I never have to worry about just paying bills, having a medical emergency, my dog's having to go to the vet and it costing $1,000 because something happened to them. There's peace in that and knowing that you've got the the financial backing to not have to worry. And there's also peace that comes from, like I said, knowing that you made it happen and you did it. And if something God forbid did happen, you know that you have what it takes inside to start it over again. And that just gives you this really strong sense of peace. Now I'd be remiss to say that God's like the number one thing in my life. So that gives me the most peace, but we're not, this isn't a religious podcast. This is a, a financial podcast, but that gives me my ultimate piece. But financially, it's it is I am not out there trying to conquer the world financially anymore. I am not going, I want to 10x, you know, my yeah. life. I am completely happy with my life as it is today financially. I still like making money. I still like business. I like to earn. I'm a salesperson, you know, an entrepreneur. So I like doing that stuff, but it's n- no longer about that. That's not the mission.
0: Well, I think the big, the big lesson that I've been learning and developing for myself, what I'm hearing from you is really, it was this shift, right? The 10 X mentality, the idea of more, more, more is great. When you need some motivation, you start from nothing and you're going to go create something. But at a certain point, you have to shift from what got you here to what's going to get you to that next level. Of fulfillment, of happiness, and that's an identity change.
1: Yeah, and right? let me tell you this. I, I forgot some. I'm sorry to interrupt you, Stephen. But if I forget, I'm a, I'm a squirrel. I'll forget to tell you this. So there's a guy, and you've probably heard of this guy. His name is Dan Sullivan, and he yeah. runs a company called Strategic Coach out of Canada. And I went through the Strategic Coach program. So to answer your question about living with a number, right? I took his coach and one of the things, and this guy's, his coaching program, it's been years since I've done it, but it was one of the best. And I still recommend his book, but he wrote a book called The Gap. And there's a story about The Gap. And it's exactly about what you're asking, which is what I never feel satisfied when I hit my goal. You know, it's always changing. And he has this analogy that if you just imagine yourself in a boat, And you say, I'm going to dock and we're going to just settle in when we get to where the sun and the skyline meets the water. That's where we're going to stop. And you start to realize you never get there because it always Mm. keeps going out in front of you. And there's this Mm. gap that you'll if you live your life, always saying that when I get there, that's when I'll be happy. You're never going to get there. And so I am a firm believer in one of the core principles of the seven habits of highly successful people, which is to start with the end in mind. And when you're in your journey in your 20s, you might only be able to think two years in advance. You don't got to think 20 years advance. You might say like I did, man, if I could start and grow a business and sell it for $5 million, I'm the happiest person ever. Well, just focus on that first and then evaluate. And if you don't, at some point, get some good therapists and some good people in your life that keep you from spiraling downward, if you will, on that quest for, you know, a never ending financial success story, you can live your life full of anxiety and unhappiness. And so that's where I found my piece was, I had good people around me and said, hey, when's enough enough? And Dan was a big part of that. I never met him. He wasn't my coach, but the coach that was in strategic coach was like,
0: Sean, you got to know when enough is enough. They've got an incredible program gap. Uh, the Gain and the Gap, phenomenal book. It's so powerful to make that shift because it is very useful to focus on maximizing, on trying to get everything when you've got very little to work with. But if you're staying in a maximizer's mindset versus satisficer, being being content, being happy with what you have, looking at what's great about it, uh, you can never actually be happy. And The problem is there's a lot of people out there who are very, very famous and they're very motivational when you're in that. I have nothing. I need to create something mindset. But if you stay in that, you you could be a billionaire and be unhappy. And you see that from a lot of people Um, for you, once you exited that business, how has investing played a role? I know you're an angel investor. I know you obviously are sitting on money. I can't imagine it sitting in a bank account, um, just just kind of hanging out there. What have you done to either A, grow the money, keep the money, or be able to kind of pay your bills off of the cash flow?
1: Oh, you know, that's a tough one because I have not had my first big exit as an angel investor. One of the things Mm -hmm. that my wealth manager told me, he was like, Sean, you're going to invest in somewhere between seven and nine deals. And literally you're praying that one of them is the unicorn that makes you the big exit. I feel like I'm invested in one that is going to be that. That's going to be a bigger payday than the eleven hours, eleven years of work I did, but it hasn't paid off yet. Um, I have invested in some hard money loan type investments that that put out really good cash flow, like a fifteen percent cash flow. I have oh had God. two small three x exits, uh, but all of the other investments are still growing uh they're they're somewhere between the three and five year range so we're hoping some of them in the next two to three years will start to pop and that was you know one of the things and then plus of course i have you know interest just coming off just regular investments i'm I'm a pretty safe guy so like tax-free municipal bonds things Mm -hmm. like that jokingly the easiest million dollars that i've ever made in my entire life was in this house Mm mm-hmm I bought it in 2016 yeah. for 1.6 million dollars, and it's literally worth you know three plus million today. And it was like, well, that was the easiest million dollars that I made it in my entire life, right? Yeah. And so I'm not a real estate guy like you, Stephen, but it was my first experience. I did do some hard money lending in real estate to some real estate guys. Yeah. I was on the investor side, uh, the bank side. And then I got involved in one deal and had had a nice little exit uh, for a house out in Manhattan Beach. But this was the easiest million that I've ever made. And so um, when I started AO four years ago, AO is not this hu- huge company, you know, or anything like that. And I don't have aspirations for it to be a $50 million company. But, you know, for it's it's been a great cash flowing business. I do a lot of like mastermind type of events here on my property. So I don't have to rent a hotel. And so we'll do six to eight events here at my property here in Nashville. And it pays my mortgage. It pays my cash flow, It does everything that's needed to just, just support the quality of life that I've got so that I don't have to touch my investments and can keep, you know, just having some fun.
0: Well, I think it's a really good example, right? Because you're in a place where you've got, 10 million bucks, maybe more just based on your exit. You've got some money. That money could grow dramatically when invested in the right way. But it's really important to understand that for you, angel investing, you understand businesses, you wanted to get involved in businesses. You're going to take a small investment. I've invested in a number of very small, very small investments in some, you know, high growth startups from an angel perspective. And the hope is that, you know, when SpaceX sells that, that'll be worth, you know, 10 or 20 X or this one or that one, but that's the difference, right? Because for you, you found a way to use operating businesses to pay for your life because you know how to do that. Other people, they may wanna go the route of real estate or investing in funds or syndications or hard money loans. But the key is you found something that you're comfortable with and you're using that knowledge and skills and expertise to continue to run your life without necessarily dipping into the wealth that you've created.
1: Yeah, I've always, I have made more money and accumulated more wealth when I am in control of the investment than angel investing, real estate, hard money loaning. So I've always said, if I need to make money, I want to build wealth, then it's going to be in a business of which I manage. Now, that's not to say that the investment that I am in, that could be a 30, 40, $50 million payout isn't going to be great and changes my mind about that, but... I'll also say on the flip side, I've had my, my losses. I mean, I invested in a, in a guy that I knew for, you know, five, 10 years, and it was the fastest hundred thousand dollars I've lost in my entire life. Other than yeah. when I was stupid and got into a little day trading thinking I could do that for a little bit. Um, you know, so you just have to be careful as an investor, you know, you're going to have your wins, you're going to have your losses, but the the best investment I've ever made is in any business that I have, some sort of ownership some sort of control in kind of like you know marcus Lemonis it's like whenever he does a deal as an yeah. annual he says i want to have control of the money the ones where i have had more risk and said hey here's just a check for 100 grand those
0: are the ones i usually don't do as well on well and that's just because you know probably a number of things but it comes down to picking the right operator having the knowledge about the opportunity and then if you pick the right operator in your passive and you're not taking, I mean, angel investing is extremely high risk, right? Unless you have some unique advantage, it's a 10 to one ratio for the best fund managers out there. But if you have a unique advantage, you can reduce that real estate. You're not going to make a 10 X return. You might make a two X or a three X, but it's going to take some time. There's going to be some cash flow. It's a little bit of a trade-off, but the risk is way lower. But again, if you invest with the wrong operator, if you invest with somebody who is slick and and they say the right thing but they don't really have the experience they don't have the team they're not doing the right things you can lose money the opportunity to lose in real estate is much lower than in a business but the upside is doesn't have the same multiplier effect so it's a trade-off right
1: it's like you said man in anything that you do you got to get with people that know what they're doing and if you don't you know that's where it can be the most dangerous so when you get into investing when I got into some investing where I, where I lost a couple of deals, it was just because of ego and pride. I didn't know what I was doing. I was I was never trained to be an investor. I was trained to operate a business. And so, you know, that's why I'm really careful on anybody getting into investing these days. I'm like, just make sure you get with the right people, do your homework, walk before you crawl. Um, because there's a lot of, there, there are, and social media has made it so easy mm-hmm. to get duped by people who act like they, who I, like you said, they're slick. And they're slick Mm -hmm. talkers. Um, So it's just good that there's guys like you out there that really know what you're doing. And you
0: guys are, you know, not those guys. Yeah. We have a very long focus. We give way more away than most operators, but I know once you invest with us, it's like, you know, once, once you get a little taste, you're going to be hooked. You'll be with us for 10 or 20, 30 years. You'll get all your friends involved And we'll get the payoff in alignment with you versus trying to make the money quick and get out and uh, run off to some other business. There's so much more. I I honestly want to talk about Sean. We're going to have to have you back for another episode before I get into my last question, tell folks where they can get in touch with you, follow along or uh, learn more about the the business and the accelerator program that you have. So for fun
1: and Instagram meme with a little bit of learning, at ask a millionaire on Instagram, uh, for my business, for a professional organization, startup entrepreneurs, it's accelerators organization, which is at accelerators org and acceleratorsorg.com. And then there's a YouTube channel as well. We've got about 400 hours of content of entrepreneurs like you and me answering questions on our YouTube channel. It's hundreds of hours of just great Q&A type content. So if you just need, if you're a small business owner and you're like, I've got questions, I promise you that somebody has asked that question and one of our mentors has answered it on our YouTube channel.
0: Yeah, couldn't be a better way to learn and grow other than following amazing people, getting in community, getting surrounded by others who are doing the same thing. So I couldn't recommend enough going out there and, and getting in and building community. So- Yeah, you don't, we, you don't, and I'll say this one, I'm sorry to- You do not want to be a
1: small business owner and not be in a professional organization of some sort. Just like you got into something, I got into stuff. The biggest mistake I see people doing is not building the relationships and being in an organization. They just think that they're gonna learn everything, self-study on YouTube and podcasts and what have you. All of those things are fantastic, but there is nothing that's gonna bring you more value than the relationships because I think i heard this on one of your things that people love to make introductions to other successful people. And when you join an organization that's filled with guys like you and guys that are successful, it's you, you, the power is to be able to say, Hey, Steven, do you know somebody that can help me with this? And you're like, dude, I've interviewed 400 successful entrepreneurs. I've got somebody in my network who does what you need help with. Absolutely. Let me make an introduction You can't do that on YouTube. You can't do that listening to something or reading something. So if you're not, if you're a small business owner, even a big business owner, and you're not in an organization, that's my biggest piece of advice, get in one.
0: And so for the listeners, as we wrap up, who are looking to get to that point of financial freedom to start taking that action, making those moves, yet they feel stuck in place. They're fearful. They don't know. They know what to do, but they're not doing it. What advice do you have for those folks? Be self-aware. Know that you're not alone. If you
1: feel like you're alone on an island and nobody understands you, it's because you chose to live on that island. Move, move to an island filled with people just like you who understand all the the anxieties and the stress and emotions that you're going through, that you can share your stories with, get support from, join an organization. You are not alone, no matter how much you feel like it. There are a lot of you and me and Steven, and everybody
0: out there that love to support each other. You don't have to be alone. Amazing. So good. Thanks for joining us, Sean. And thank you for all for listening another great episode. Take some time to reflect and think, how can you apply what you heard today in your own life? We'll see you on the next episode. Today's episode is sponsored by Von Finch Capital. If you're interested in investing alongside me in the same type of real estate opportunities that I personally invest in, then head over to Von Finch Capital and join their private investor network. You can do so at vonfinch.com slash invest. Join me on that next deal. and I look forward to seeing you on the inside. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, make sure to rate, review, subscribe, and share with a friend. Head over to investormindset.com to join the Insider Club, where we share tools and strategies from the top investors and entrepreneurs on how to take it to the next level. Hey, this is Steven again. Just one more thing before you take off, and that is the Insider's Newsletter. Would you enjoy getting a single email every week with some of my favorite things, including tips and strategies on how to get the most out of your life and your investments? basically what it is is some of the coolest things that i've discovered or am pondering when it comes to life, investing, and in business delivered in a short email every week to your inbox. Easy to sign up for, easy to cancel. If you'd like to try it out, type into your browser investormindset.com/newsletter to get started and you'll get the very next one.